Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. We've just lost 90% of our young audience out there. Who's Susan Lucci? I don't know why they're an old lady voice, but anyways. And he'd be like, oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put that you can for all you want. You create a disagree. <laughs> Disney fight. <laughs> See, two dudes talking about Disney. Oh, uh, so many viewers. We just lost so many. <laughs> Hey, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And hello, we begin. <laughs> it's not that that's not that type of podcast oh actually it is it i is take it back because yeah. we are well, i don't know what i'm doing here <laughs> we are doing the frighteners oh yeah excellent uh the frighteners was released on friday july 19th 1996 i was a whole 21 years old i was nine wow i'm old <laughs> <laughs> good times back then good times at a runtime of 110 minutes, it was rated R for terror and <laughs> uh, violence, I think. Language and terror. Some terror, terror and violence, which is ridiculous. So rated R had a production budget of $30 million. Opening weekend, it did $5.5 million. Domestic, $16 million. And worldwide, $29 million. So not a hit. Not a hit, but a hit in our hearts, Butler. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, su- I'm surprised it made so much. I mean, obviously, Peter Jackson's a bigger deal probably in New Zealand, but I'm surprised it made so much more overseas because 1996 a lot of the movies we look at in the 90s don't really make that much worldwide like almost like double the money Uh, i guess i mean obviously this was shot in new zealand and peter jackson this is pre lord of the rings peter jackson this is post uh dead alive and brain dead and um meet the feebles Feebles, which i i can't i love that movie I shouldn't. It's terrible, but I love it. <laughs> so, like I said, this came out on the 19th of July, 1996, so right smack dab in the summer, the same day as Multiplicity, the Michael Keaton comedy where he clones himself, which is also a really good movie. I like that one a lot, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I love pizza. All right, Fled. <laughs> we Fled, Kazam, and Train Spotting in a limited run. If you have not seen Train Spotting, please do. It's very good. And I, we both of us have still yet to see the sequel, which is ridiculous. I think it's now streaming somewhere. Well, it's because we, so. honestly, that might have to be on the podcast because the only way I watch movies is now is if it's through the podcast. We're too busy. Uh, the week before this movie came out, so the 12th of July, we had Courage Under Fire with Matt Damon, thin Matt Damon, liver damaged Matt Damon, right? Didn't he get, he was, or kidney damaged or something like that? Oh, I didn't know. He Did got really thin it? for the role because it's about, um, no, wait a minute. Yeah, that's about Courage Under Fire. Denzel Washington's investigating uh, the death, Meg Ryan's character, and she had saved Matt Damon's character yes. in some fight. Yep. Yeah, it's based on a true story, but he got really thin for the role, and I, I always heard that he he hurt, he damaged something inside. Oh, I didn't know about that. Because he just got super thin. Uh, Harriet the Spy was the same day. This is the 12th for talking, and Walking and Talking was in between on the Wednesday. Um, that's an indie. Uh, the week before this, which is probably why a lot of the movies suffered uh, after, was the July 3rd was Independence Day, the, the ID for. So... That was a big hit. Yeah, they were definitely not suffering after Independence Day 2. I'll tell I, you that. No, 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 no. <laughs> after Independence Day 2, the wake was uh, was clear. Uh, on the 26th of July, this is the week after The Frighteners, you had A Time to Kill, which came out actually on the Wednesday, which is the Matthew McConaughey movie based on the John Grisham novel. Mm-hmm. Kingpin, uh, that's the Farrelly Brothers movie, which is actually pretty funny. The Adventures of Pinocchio, which probably nobody saw. Joe's Apartment. I love Joe's apartment. I I know you don't like it, but it's uh, it's okay. (laughs) And Super Cop, the uh, the Jackie Chan movie. When Jack, I think this was, I think this is when Jackie Chan was like really big. Like he was like, when was, when was Rush Hour? I think ninety five. I think this is like four ninety five. So we're we're like we're smack dab in the middle of the Jackie Chan fever, I guess. Yep. As we said before, directed by Peter Jackson, he I just made I just said the bunch of the movies that he did. He won the Oscar for Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, but it was basically an Oscar for all three. Yeah. 
he also uh, directed Heavenly Creatures. That's actually his first big movie that stars Kate Winslet. And I'm going to blank on her name because she's actually in this movie. Mel- uh, Melanie Linsky. She, she's also in, uh, in Heavenly Creatures, but she actually has a... I'll go to it later. She's at a, a <laughs> small scene in here. Not a small scene, but like you see her. Anyways, yeah. written by Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh. Uh, she is, uh, Fran Walsh has written a bunch of stuff with Jackson, Heavenly Creatures, The Lovely Bones, uh, Hobbit. She won an Oscar for Lord of the Rings as well. Peter Jackson wrote all those. Plus, I think he wrote some of the story for Mortal Engines. Music by Danny Elfman, who I love. And Danny Elfman is, does the Batman theme, the original Batman theme uh, from Michael Keaton's Batman. Mm-hmm. Most of Tim Burton stuff. So, He's he's done a ton of stuff. I'm gonna I've listed some stuff maybe you did not know he did, like summer school, back to school, and midnight run. Do you remember the back to school theme? Yes, I yeah. didn't know he did midnight run. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he is everywhere. Cinematography by John Blick, who was doing the cinematography, and I believe no, I take it back. He took over for Alan Bollinger because Bollinger got injured while making this movie. So John Blick came in and kind of finished up, but this is really only his biggest credit. Bollinger has done Heavenly Creatures, White Lies, and The Stolen. And again, produced by Peter Jackson and his partner, Jamie Selkirk. So, but Selkirk is also an editor mostly. So he he actually won an Oscar for editing Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but he was a producer on this movie. I believe he edited. I didn't actually, I should have looked that up. So run through the cast starring Michael J. Fox is Frank Bannister. Um, everyone knows who Michael J. Fox is, right? Who? Exactly. Trini Alvarado as Lucy Linsky. She was in the 1990s version of Little Women, The Babe and the Perez Family. She doesn't do much. Uh, no, nah, I think she's I, a homebody. That, yeah. yeah, I think she doesn't just doesn't. I don't know. Need to. Yeah. Right. Peter Dobson as Ray Linsky. He was in Forrest Gump, Pool Hall Junkies and Drowning Mona. Jeffrey Combs as Milton Dammers. Uh, Jeffrey Combs is well known in the horror world. Uh, he was reanimator. Uh, he was also in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer and Fear.com. I've tried to pick movies that were maybe more mainstream that people might know of him. He's also done a ton of Star Trek. Of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he is, um, if you know horror, then you know Jeffrey Combs. If you don't know horror, you might not know Jeffrey Combs He's also all. a big time voice actor. Yeah. If you watched any cartoons in the 90s or today, you've, you've heard his voice. Yeah. Dee Wallace as Patricia Bradley. Uh, Dee Wallace was the mother in E.T. She's also in The Howling, Cujo, and more recently, Three from Hell. Jake Busey as Johnny Bartlett. Uh, he's in Contact, Starship Troopers, The Predator, and Identity, which is one of the movies that we might do at some point down the road, right? I believe so. He's also in Home Fries, which I never asked you. Do you like Home Fries? Because I really like Home Fries. Eat, like eating Home Fries? Like home fries. No, I don't like Home Fries. Oh, really? Yeah. Right. Well, that's what Drew Barrymore and, yes. and Jake, uh, not Jake, um, one of the oh, Wilson one brothers. Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah. No, I, was I hadn't not. seen it in a while, but when I was looking through his IMDb, I was like, oh, home fries. I remember really liking home fries. I remember not liking it. I mean, we can always toss it in here if you want to fight about it. <laughs> Shy McBride as Cyrus uh, from Gone in 60 Seconds. I robot, but Shy McBride is in one of my favorite TV shows that never got the it's just desserts. And that's pun intended for Pushing Daisies. Did you ever see Pushing Daisies? Yeah, I watched it. It's so good. He has my one of my favorite lines in that movie when he he hits somebody with a shovel and he's like, I love you, shovel. I love that. I, I don't know. He's really good. He's also in that Boston Legal Show, which he was is in Boston. Couple, yeah, he was the principal. He was John Aston as the judge. Uh, I mean, I'm sure ho- I hope people know who John Aston is he's from the Adams Family, the original Adams Family TV show Teen Wolf 2. He played the dean, right? And Teen Wolf 2? I never he watched. Did. I never saw Teen Wolf 2. That's unacceptable. If you saw Teen Wolf, you needed to see Teen Wolf 2. Is it as good as Teen Wolf 1? Because no I'm one not going to sit here and say it is, but it's Jason Bateman. I mean, I don't know why you're not watching it. <laughs> and then he was in the freak the 70s Freaky Friday. John, Jim Fife as Stewart. Now, I have him in here because he's in the X-Files. He plays yes. in The Lone Gunman, too. He was he played one of their friends who was like the, the super conspiracy nerd. Yeah, he played uh, crap. I couldn't find his name. I just noticed. I remember I saw his picture and I was like, oh, I remember him. He's got two names. It's Jimmy the Geek when it starts. And then he becomes Kimmy the Geek later on in the show. He, oh, okay. He becomes a, 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 he transitions into a woman. Oh, okay. All right. So I don't remember. X-Files, was that on The Lone Gunman? No, that was in. Hmm. He's in The Lone Gunman show. Yes. So he becomes Kimmy on The Lone Gunman, but then he comes back as Kimmy in another episode of The X-Files. Later okay, on. right. Uh, welcome to the X Files podcast. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I'm okay with doing an X Files podcast. <laughs> uh, we, uh, my wife and I, rewatched them. I think two summers ago, and it took us like because we want. Oh, that's right. We 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 rewatched it leading up to the new the revival, revival yeah. and it took us. But we were fine. But it was really cool going back. Oh yeah, I was yeah. I was watching a bunch with Elise. We've got through season three, I think. Oh man, you got to keep going. Oh yeah. Arlie Ermey as uh, Hiles, Full Metal Jacket, Seven, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003 version, and Troy Evans as Sheriff Perry. 
I have him on here because I watch Bosch on TV and he's on that. And I think he's funny. And then he's also in Near Dark, an episode we did. Yes, he is. He plays the sheriff in just about everything. He has has a certain... So he plays a a, a cop on Bosch, but he has a unique skill set that works fine. Yes. And he's he's actually... He's got a dry sense of humor. It's pretty funny. So... All right, Butler, break down the plot. All right. So basically, the plot of Frighteners is after an accident that kills his wife, Frank Bannister has the psychic ability to allow him to see, hear, and communicate with ghosts. After this accident, he has given up his job as a very successful architect, and he's begun begun a life as a con man, conning people into believing that their houses are haunted with the use of his new ghost friends, played by Chai McBride and Stephen Fife or Jim Fife. Six years after his accident, Frank discovers that most of the people in his town are being killed by a mysterious force that is squeezing the life out of people. Seemingly healthy people are dropping dead in the middle of his town for seeming no rhyme and reason up to 26. After Frank helps a young wife and husband, Lucy Linsky and Ray Linsky, he sees a number on Ray Linsky's head indicating that he may be next. Frank mysteriously happens to be near almost every murder and becomes accused of the murder. So being accused of the murder, Frank has to discover who this culprit might be. Come to find out the mysterious spirit killing everyone is Johnny Bartlett, a serial killer from the 60s who killed over a dozen people at a nearby hospital with the help of his girlfriend. Patricia. Patricia is helping now the spirit of Johnny continue his killing spree trying to become the world record holder of serial killers even though he's kind of cheating with the whole spirit thing yeah that doesn't make any sense uh he was like got me a count of 20 it's like well not for nothing but you're dead so that doesn't really matter yeah, i mean you're cheating you can go back to hell and tell all your friends but yeah whatever yeah that's kind of bs <laughs> so frank has to try to find a way to stop a spirit from killing people which sometimes includes killing himself and trying to attack him as a ghost <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, good uh Basically, the whole movie is a horror, comedy, action, thriller. It's got a little bit of everything. It's a it's a very out there movie. I don't know why it's rated R. It's ridiculous that it's rated R. I would say that the reason it's rated R is some of the violence in it. I'd say the attack on the hospital and then uh, when they, uh, spoiler alert, when they blow off Jeffrey Combs' head. Well, I will have, I, well, I have that note, Butler. It was, they couldn't get the PG-13 rating. So they just so since they were getting the R rating, they initially had him getting blown off in the chest, getting shot in the chest. But since they were they couldn't get the PG thirteen rating, they just went back and did the head the headshot. I think the headshot's awesome. Well, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, I don't mind that it's rated R. I just I have seen a lot worse. Oh yeah, I don't think now. they ever use the F word. I don't think they ever really swear. Yeah, what was the there was I just saw something. There was just a movie out that had like three knives out. They said the F word three times and it was a PG thirteen rating. Did they do it three times? Yes. I know they did it once. I don't understand that. I, I mean, what's the rules now? What's going on here? I mean, whatever. Uh, it's fine. I mean, my daughter's thirteen years old and I'll take her to a PG thirteen movie. She already knows the swears. That's fine. I mean, what yeah. what am I supposed that's okay, but it's just, you know, are there any rules? The whole I know we're getting on a tangent here, but what's the you if anyone out there, this is an old doc and it's probably been updated, but there's a documentary called This is, Film Has Not Yet Been Rated, and it's about the MPAA and how they go about rating. And you you should check it out because it, when you watch it, you're just like, there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, this makes no sense. I mean, I, I get why you have the film ratings and I get that they're somewhat important. Mm-hmm. I think their importance is inflated personally. Yeah, agreed. But society changes society too. Society changes. Yeah. So they got to change with it. So if. Knives Out has three F words in it, but they're not used in a sexual connotation. I get that. Right. Because, you know, you hear people swear all the time. You know, sure. you stub your toe, you're going to swear. I mean. We get people that swear in front of their two-year-olds, at, at, you know, three-year-old, four-year-olds at the theater. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. I mean. What, whatever. We're not here to talk yeah. about that, but. But, but yes, it's, regardless. It's, it's a very tame R-rated film. I, even, agreed. Even when Jeffrey Combs does get his head blown off, it's very cartoony. It's oh, not, absolutely. It's done as a comedy bit. It's not. It's clearly animated. It's. It's fun. I like when he because it's, it's they basically Patricia Bradley is going to shoot Frank to save her boyfriend. Cox with shotgun. Frank ducks Milton Milton played by Jeffrey Combs is behind him. Looks in shock as his head, whole head <laughs> gets blown up by the shotgun. But his ghost head still stays put on his body mm-hmm. and just it has a shocked expression. It's 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 very Looney Tunes, but I, I really like it. I got you. One of the things I didn't know about this before that I've discovered now was that this was originally planned as a Tales from the Crypt feature. Like it was a script written and it was going to be just basically like a feature within the Tales from the Crypt world. Like, you know, how they have, what's the one with Dennis Miller? 
Bordello of Blood. Bordello of Blood, yeah. And what was the Demon Knight? Which Demon is that Demon Knight's actually pretty good. I like Bordello yeah. of Blood. That I like uh, Tales from the Crypt quite, quite a bit. I like Demon Knight better than Bordello of Blood. Yes. Because Angie Everhart really bothers me in Bordello of Blood. Come here, lover. Like that nonsense. Like whatever. One time you say that is fine, but she, she just kept doing that. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. Regardless. But I Demon Knight's actually an interesting story. There, what was the other one? There was only there's only two, right? I believe there's only two. The rest of them are all part of the series. They're all well, they're they did I know they have the Tales from the Crypt. The vignette ones. Is that a Tales from the Crypt or am I thinking of something else? They 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 have those were full, ones, but yeah. these were full movies. These were full Demon Knight was a full movie. Demon Knight yeah. and Bordello Blood were full movies. Yeah. Yes. Demon Knight's actually pretty good. That's actually might be a good one for us. Oh uh, yeah, I would say that's for yeah. Because everybody puts like I see Bordello and Blood on TV all the time. I've been really? I've seen Demon Knight once. I gotta think Bordello of Blood didn't do business. I don't know why we're talking about Bordello of Blood, but I don't think it did business. We talk about Tales from the Crypt now. Well, anyways, this I can talk so, about Tales from the Crypt. So this was supposed to be a Tales from the Crypt feature, but Zemeckis, who's the producer on this or one of the producers, liked the script so much that he wanted to make it just he wanted to be on its own. I did. I did notice that's the first time I've realized that Zemeckis is part of this movie. I never really. Knew he was part oh, of I, I, yeah, that's the first thing I noticed. And you kind of get that feel of the movie being a Zemeckis film almost because it's it's fun. It's yeah. not, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's got a lot of the hallmarks of that. And it's got Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, so there I, I there is a lot of stuff I like about this movie. The score is memorable. You hear the score, you know, it's a frightener score. Oh, man. As soon yeah. as it starts up, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, the exact kind of movie it is because you have an elfin score playing creepy, mm-hmm. fun spooky and it's like that's exactly what this movie's gonna be i like the i like the location i know it was shot in new zealand and it's supposed to be like in america but it actually reminds me of the astoria town the town of astoria and goonies it actually feels like that kind of town it definitely feels like yeah. a small coastal town right? yeah it does it does look like anywhere in coastal america mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but re-watching it and i you know when i watch it now i'm just trying to kind of with a critical eye a little bit mm-hmm was stuff that jumped out to you that you kind of you couldn't give a pass this time around? Well, can I answer that question with a question for you? Oh, go ahead. Go for it. So you had talked about, well, before when we were going to do Frighteners, I think we were both excited for it. So oh, absolutely. We both really like Frighteners. But you talked about how the special effects are really good and how mm-hmm. they probably still hold up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I warned you maybe they didn't. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion now that you've seen it? I think some are dated, but I think some still hold up. Uh, I will say like the shot, all the ghost stuff. When they're interacting with the ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, I think that holds up. I think that still looks good. I will say, like the Jeffrey Combs shot when he gets blown off, that doesn't that doesn't hold up well. It's very animated, but I think maybe on purpose because it's like Looney Tunesy. Yeah, but yeah, I get what you're saying. The stuff with the Grim Reaper is is probably another like mm, that's you know you kind of. When he's in the walls, that's what I was afraid of. That's because that, I had a clear image of oh, that, and I'm yep, thinking about it. I'm yep. like, that does not look good. No. But when he's the Reaper, yes, it also does not look good. It looks it, like a video game. It's dated. But that's but that's just what you have it's available. What you have available. Yeah. I think he still looks... I think the design of the Reaper was re- still really cool. No, I think you, you're limited to what you can do, so I don't hold that against it. What I will say was really good was when he was in the abandoned hospital, and they kept going back and forth between the past and when they were there in the present... I thought that was really well done, still well done, and and still held up big time. I I was also impressed with that. Yeah. I I wondered if they used one set, did all right. Here's our day of the hospital being open, or a couple of days of all right. I had Johnny have. Bartlett's attack, Michael J. Fox walking through it. Now we're gonna do another couple of days of we destroyed the crap yeah. out of that set. Right. I mean, they must have. They must have done that. I I am always really impressed when you take two sets. Like we talked about it during 1408. With the hotel room, being able to create the different sets exact or do one set that you destroy over time. Right. And we mentioned it not on this podcast, but when we were watching Rise of the Skywalker, we talked about, you know, how much work must even go into plate shots of that stuff like that. Right. When she Ray's going through the Star Destroyer, you have to build your area, design it, and then break it down. Right. Now, what would this look destroyed? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always impressed with those kind of set designs. So other than the effects, what else maybe kind of jumped at you that you, you didn't really like you kind of winced watching? I have something, but we, I'll go with you first. Actually, I have two well, things. At first, I thought that Andy McDowell was in this. <laughs> so I think that they wanted Andy McDowell wow. and they got Trini Alvarado. No. I mean, she did a good job, but she's like very much like Andy McDowell. So that's, no. I was like, they wanted McDowell. Trini Alvarado. <laughs> she, she, she was just off of Little Women. That, that's, Little well, Women was like two years prior. Maybe, maybe that's why. But me not really seeing her and much else, I was just like, did they want Andy McDowell and got Trini? Uh, th- not that she didn't do a good job, but Tri- man, Andy McDowell was too busy doing multiplicity. Oh yeah, that's right. Michael Keaton. Yeah, so, I mean that that was one of the very first things that popped out to me. The other one was 
that the digital transfer didn't go over well. And I, I was stuck with that. What do you mean? So I, you watched the Blu-ray? I watched. Uh, no, I don't own it for some reason. Oh, well, I own it. Oh, now I own the Blu-ray. I now I, I can stub my nose at you. I think I got it on VHS, so I, I, can't, I can't watch that okay. now. But the digital transfer, go so ahead. So I, I rented it on my Xbox. Mm-hmm. And the digital transfer was, was grainy, but it's from 1996. That's fine. But there are blotches that look like almost like bugs on the screen in quite a few scenes. Well, that's probably, they're just probably yeah, from a film print. They're probably just exactly, the film print yeah. they use. I yeah. was like, oh, come on, clean that up. Get the, uh, get the Blu-ray. Come on. All right. So one of the things that, a couple of things. One, the interrogation scene when Bannister walks, when, when Tamara's just like, he's probably long gone and he's like walks in. Oh, yep. So when Bannister comes in and kind of turns himself in and then Dammers interrogates him, the beginning of the interrogation is really good. Like just keeps like talking to him. You can see he's like almost really tearing upset. up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then they switch. It switches to a handheld zoom camera. It switches to like a handheld shot and it, and it goes in and out and it's evident. It, it to me, it seems really clear that either this stuff was shot on a different day or a different time of the day. Because Fox is different in that moment. Like he is, his acting is completely, he is not in that emotional state he was in, in the first shot. And it just feels like it. it and suddenly I'm just like, this is like different now. He's not, cause he's like putting his hands on his face. Kind of like, Oh, I just, you know, don't, because in the first one, it's just him sitting there and he's just, his emotions all over his face. And even it, it looks different. The shot is set up differently, lit differently. And then they switch and it's complete. It just felt, like a different day, time of day. Uh, what I would say to that is, and now I'm just shooting in the dark, nice. what it might be is that the interrogation has switched, even though basically Milton is, uh, or Agent Dammers is running the conversation and running the interrogation. It's almost like now Michael J. Fox has control just because Dammers starts freaking out and thinks Michael J. Fox is using his control. So at the beginning, it's Michael J. Fox is the center of attention. He covers his face, and now all your attention needs to be on Dammers. And the mm-hmm. handheld weird camera angles and the change of lighting is to represent that now this is Dammers freaking out. That's possible. Well, kind of with this, they shot it one way, and then they were like, that's not interesting. Let's try this way. And then they just like that in the edit. It's possible. Yeah. Well, I'm just giving, I'm just, no, no, no. I, I, I'm it could fine. have been a, cho- uh, a conscious choice. Right. Yeah. Speaking of camera moves, mm-hmm. I really did like the action scenes with the camera, the way the camera moved. Yes. Like especially the just kind of highlighting one moment when they escape from the jail and they run and the cameras with them and, and they're running and the cameras kind of in front of them and then they stop and they go towards the background and the camera follows them kind of like that action. Some of that Michael Bay slight like shot. I like that shot. And that's actually, I shouldn't say Michael Bay because that's actually a staple of the eighties and nineties, early nineties, that kind of shot. I enjoyed that. So the camera movements during the action scenes were nice. I really like the camera movements. Um, I, I love the beginning camera movement coming down from the sky yes. into the house, which is clearly a set. Oh, such a good, well, it's such a good looking. And house. it's obviously a digital yeah. when you're going through the rat hole. Oh yeah. <laughs> I also like when Frank first becomes a ghost and he starts floating and starting to learn how to fly. And you're kind of, your focus is on him on the center of the camera. So the camera kind of moves. Oh, right. Right. Kind of like in a POV shot, like a ba- uh, reverse POV shot at him. It's very disorienting, but still really cool and wavy. And, and mm. obviously it's on some kind of, I'd imagine zipline or something going down that hill. But I thought, I thought yeah, that was maybe he's shot. also a terrible driver. Like he is the worst driver. I, that was my very first notice. <laughs> Who's not pulling him over. I mean, there's, there's this, this is the thing. Like I get that he's disaffected or disaffected and he's kind of like all depressed, but he's also a douche because you're not driving like that. If you're not a douche purposely doing stuff like that. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause he obviously not that funny. He has an accident with his wife in the car. Cause he's driving and not paying attention. And she dies. And, mm-hmm. You find out that she's not; she doesn't die from the accident. She dies because for some reason Johnny Bartlett's there, and he made her the first right for some reason. I would think the accident would change you, change the way you drive. But no, he continues to cut corners and go over the grass and not pay it. You know what I mean? It's well. Did he do that when he was? Well, now that now I'm thinking, did he do that when he was? I mean, he was driving fast when they got they were, the accident because they, they were arguing. Angry. They were arguing. Right. Wouldn't you? But know? did he cut turns and stuff like that when he's regular, or is he looking to get into another accident? You think he's he looking, looking to die, to die now? Yeah, yeah maybe because he is. Yeah, he is pretty hardcore depressed. So maybe that that could be that could be accurate. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. And now it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole idea of when they're ghosts, he tells uh, Ray Linsky, who's um, uh. Lucy Linsky's 
husband who dies, Trini Alvaredo's character, yep. that you know you're an emanation now. You're gonna ectoplasm is gonna go all, gonna just come all come out all over you from your ears. Every orifice is just gonna be dripping ecto until you get the tunnel again. You go away. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that's true for everyone except Arlie Ermey's character. That's true for everyone except Hiles. He never has any ectoplasm coming out of him. And I'm wondering if he was there just like, hey, Arlie, listen, we're going to, this is what happened. He's like, you ain't putting that shit on me. No, I will be fine. I'm not going to have any of that nonsense on my face. That could be the other thing that it could be is he says he's got 85 years left on his contract. He might be contracted to be a ghost, so he might not be decomposing because he's supposed to be there. So you're saying he was assigned to the... He's assigned to the graveyard. Oh, maybe. The is done. Maybe, I, I guess. Catch you later, guys. Hey! My tour of duty runs another 85 years. There's a piece of dirt up here with your name on it, Bannister. I'm waiting for you, you little maggot. That's the one thing I didn't notice. The Because this is now... I've, I've watched this numerous times. This is the first time I've really noticed how... Um, especially with Ray, how decomposed he starts getting over. Or he gooey, goes bad, yeah. Gooey he gets over time. I never really noticed that before. He does. He gets like worse, and it's only been a couple of days. Whereas, like, like Stewart's got to have been from the fifties, and he looks fine. And oh, he's goopy. Yeah, but, but he's, he's not, not as, goopy as goopy as Ray, as Ray at the yeah. end. Yeah, and Cyrus is is pretty goopy too, but nowhere near that. Yeah, and they've been dead both for decades. I wonder if it's because they accept that they're ghosts more than Ray. I don't know. I, I, that, I mean, you're asking for like a deep dive into like the the world of. That's the, the thing is they make they make the world of frighteners. They make the ghosts very interesting because they're almost like physical entities that we just can't really interact with, mm -hmm. but they can kind of interact with us. Like mm -hmm. they can get hit by a truck and a car because they're moving really fast and got a lot of heft. Like guns, kind of like boo, mess them up. But, but like they, we walk right through them and they can go through doors if they really try. And they can move things. Is it they can move things if why if they're angry like in Ghost or maybe they really concentrate <laughs> well like in Ghost like yeah in Ghost yeah <laughs> well, Ghost has some very interesting Ghost rules too that's probably where they got some yeah, of but them. the Ghosts and Ghost rules the go yes the Ghosts in <laughs> Ghost and those rules that they devise are part of the storyline of him learning how to be a Ghost in this there is no true discerning rule set or set of rules yeah i would say it's whatever they want at the time yeah whatever's funny or makes sense or i mean I, there there seem to be some like all right here's some rules we're gonna follow but yeah it's uh, overall it's like what what serves the story best right. that's what ghosts can do in this scene i mean yeah. I, I do like the fact that ghosts can kill other ghosts i thought that was interesting well only with the sickle that uh, he has that's the only time he kills a ghost that's he's the only ghost that kills other ghosts no i feel like hiles could kill a ghost or even uh, with the, the judge guns with the guns yeah because when he gets shot he gets hurt bartlett goes back and hides yeah but bartlett he just doesn't keep going long enough he goes back to hide but i think he could still he could just blow him apart into smithereens like kind of when like Stuart gets into the engine and goes in the middle of pieces and forms up again out of the, the tailpipe. That car is not a ghost. No, I yeah, but I, I feel like the ghost. I think I think only it. the sick. I only think the. It's, that's not a sickle. What is it? The that's a sickle. The okay. Reaper sickle. Yeah, yeah. only that can kill him. Do you think he got that from hell? I would. I did again. They don't say it, but maybe he stole yeah. it from hell. Which is why he looks like a reaper. Maybe. I really like the scene when Frank takes Hiles' gun and just blows uh, Bartlett apart, and you see that face, and he starts smacking against the wall, mm -hmm. the demon face, mm -hmm. and he turns into Bartlett. Mm -hmm. I think I always I thought that was pretty well done, even in today's. Like it's still a little dated, him, it but it's is, really it well. It's the design is really cool. And I yeah. appreciate the design. So, did you like the problematic uh, rape scene that the <laughs> that uh, the judge has when he has sex with the? Oh man, I forgot all about that. Yeah. I was like, oh man, mummy rape. Here we go. Mighty fine woman, good teeth. Uh -huh. Now put your hands on the podium. Judge, judge, don't call me the hanging judge for nothing. <laughs> I like it when they lie still like that. But like, <laughs> I guess that's why it's rated R as well. I mean, I like it when they lie still. It's like, oh, uh, when he said that, I was like, oh, can you cut that out? Come on. That's not good. I do like the rest. Uh, those cops are so quick to pull that trigger. I love when they come out of the revolving door and they're dizzy and they're just firing into the, into the, in the public. In the, yeah. I'm and he's like, got a hostage. Why yeah. are you shooting at the car? Yeah, they, the cops are little. It's, it's and their ammunition seems to be infinite. Of they course. put like twenty shots of into course. that mummy. Don't change clips and then turn right back around at Frank. I think this is one of those movies where, it's, hey, it's a fun time. Don't uh, exactly, worry about that. Yeah, stuff. don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, then he gets shot by an Frank gets shot by an Uzi later on, and he was like, oh, he gets just in the arm. Shrug off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so the, uh, yeah, again, 
Dammers is uh, the motivation is just kind of all over the place. You don't really know he's there. What to just determine that Frank's not who he says he is. Yeah, he's. I like Jeffrey Combs in this. I think he's a lot of fun. But again, that's is, is that the point? Is it the fun character, or did he have more to do with the plot in another version of the script? I don't. I I think that when Jeffrey Combs came on and took the character, I'm sure that all of his character traits are from Combs. Uh, the hair I know is his choice. He yeah. thought that he should have like a Hitler esque haircut to make him different and and just like you know right off the bat, this guy is not well in the right head. You can tell that the way he's playing Combs is somebody who is never comfortable. At any point, at any point, at, at in any moment, that, never I, comfortable. I love that scene in the interrogation when he begins and he can't decide whether he wants to sit down or not. Yeah. Or to look at Frank or look at the wall. He doesn't know what he wants to do. And it's it's fantastic. And he plays it so well. Like mm-hmm. Jeffrey Combs is such a great character actor. And he, I don't think he gets enough credit for for his live action stuff. No. He is so good. Like when uh, Lucy starts yelling at him in the beginning and, and he every, can't take and he it. Can't yeah. take it and he runs away. And he tries to assert his power over the sheriff just because he got yelled at by a girl. So now he's trying to yeah. reestablish dominance. It's just really, really good. Mm-hmm. But then you get the parts like when he opens his chest and he's got all the scars and stuff and he's he's chanting. It's like, what, what, why? What's your through line? What are you trying to do? Well, what are I you think, trying to yeah. accomplish? I think that's all discussions that either he had with Jackson or they just he had on his own and he just kind of incorporated them and they liked it so much. They're like, yeah, just keep it. I, I just want to know, man. I want to I want a Dammer spinoff where we find <laughs> oh, out why Dammer's the way No, I'm is. good. <laughs> I don't need a spinoff. I'm I, good. I'd be okay with if he appeared in another one, like just a different kind of movie and we just use the Dammer's character again. I don't think they're ever going to go back to this type of story. I don't think Jackson's going to go back to any kind of this storytelling. He's on He's on to bigger and better things. Is it better? Because he did Lovely Bones and the Hobbit movies. But I mean, yeah, but Hobbit wasn't really his fault because they forced him to do it. He but, tried like, to do Mortal Engines and he didn't. He couldn't direct it, so he just wrote it. Yeah, he tried to do another big time movie. Uh, big, he should not do Mortal Engines. I would. I would. And Lovely Bones. I'm sorry, is awful. It's a good book, but yeah, it's kind of it's it is kind of yeah, boring. It's one of my fiance's favorite books, and then she was so excited to watch the movie. Yeah, she the really wanted me to really like the movie, and she's like, "What did you think of the movie?" And I said, "I told her that I think that's one of the worst." movies i've seen oh it's not the, it's one it's of the worst really bad okay you, i get bad. that it's boring i understand that it's, it's not good bad. it's not a, it, it, it was a miss it's absolutely it's a miss it's not terrible i uh, think peter jackson needs to go back to doing movies like the frighteners back to doing movies I like that like go back to what he will. made him i don't think he will either but he should go back to that look at sam raimi he started to try to do bigger and better things and he did for the most part succeed right but then you know later on he's like let me try that again well, what he did, um, like he did, drag me to hell, uh, drag me to hell. You know, he's he started to go back to that. Like, let's see if I still got it. And he proved that he did. Drag me to hell's really good. It is. Ash vs. Evil Dead's fantastic. I know he's working on a new one as well. Who? Uh, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi. He wants to do another Evil Dead film. Right. Right. Uh, he wants to write. He doesn't want to direct. I think he just wants to write it. Um, and then he wants to get the reboot, uh, sequel to the reboot as well. Well, he's supposed to. Peter Jackson did. Well, he's he's doing docs now though. He's doing he did They Shall Not Grow Old. Mm-hmm. And then he's doing a Beatles documentary that's in, I think it's in post production. Oh, that's cool. But he was supposed to do the second Tintin movie. Did you ever see the first Adventure of Tintin and Spielberg no, directed? You to. should. It's really good. I, I, I own absolutely it. Absolutely want to. I own it. It's really good. And he was supposed to do the second one, and I cannot remember for the life of me who's supposed to do the third one. Uh it was supposed to be Spielberg does the first. Yeah. Peter does the second. They both. Oh, Peter, co- you're on a first name basis. No, I'm on the, yeah. Pete, <laughs> Pete does the second. Peter Jackson does the second one, and then both of them would co-direct the third right. one. The the first one, I'm sorry, but it's good. I mean, if you like Indiana Jones and you like adventure stuff from the '80s, that's exactly what Tintin is. Would you say that's forgotten cinema? I would agree that it was forgotten because nobody ever talks about it, no, and it I bring does. it up, and everyone's like, "What?" And I'm just like, mm. it's good. <laughs> I like it. Anyways, so he's doing docs now, kind of like. Cameron, who does who just does a ton of Titanic docs and promises them. to do eighty five avatars, and you've never seen any of them. Well, we from- need to know about the unobtainium. Oh no, we need to know about the water of the planet. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have anything that you else did not like about this movie, or anything that stood out that? I mean, this is. I mean, I hadn't seen. I've seen this movie. This is like my seventh or eighth time I've seen this movie, but I haven't watched it in a long, long time. I didn't think that. When I originally watched it when I was younger, uh, I always thought that Stuart and Cyrus were hilarious. Yeah. I didn't think that was that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. They're all right. That's fine. It's it. Yeah, I agree. 
Did you know that this was supposed to be a Halloween release? Or no, Jackson and Zemeckis wanted this to be released on Halloween, but the studio opted for the summer. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Yeah, agreed. It's not a big time summer movie. It doesn't play for every audience. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And I I haven't met anyone who doesn't like The Frighteners when I talk to them. That's true. I don't know anyone that doesn't like it. Well, I'm sure there's people that don't know about it. Yeah, clearly anybody who's seen The Frighteners probably saw it because it didn't make a lot of money in theaters. They saw it on TV. Well, let's ask let's ask this. Why is it forgotten then? If we know everybody, everyone we talk to has seen it and likes, loves it. Why? Why did we put this on our list? And don't say because I did. Why are we gonna? Put, why was did this you forgotten? put it on this? I couldn't remember who put I don't this on know. the list. I don't know. Why? Is I know forgotten? we both like this movie a lot. Uh, well, this movie, 1996. You've got Michael J. Fox, who's uh, long been done with the Back to the Future franchise and hasn't gotten to Spin City yet. So he's kind of in between. Well, this movie, not to cut you off, but this was his last leading role in a film. I did read about that. Yes. Because he was so he was just tired of being away from his family that he returned to the small screen, which is when he returned to Spin City. Yes. Now, mind you, I'm not really sure if he was already diagnosed with Parkinson's at this point. I don't know if that was during well, Spin City. What I read, he had an idea that he had it. I so from, since Doc Hollywood. Yeah. That's what my wife was telling me, that he knew that there was something up since Doc Hollywood. So, yeah. So which, you know, that's. That's sad. That makes me sad. But anyways, um, so yeah, so this was his last leading role, but go right. ahead. So I think it's it's a little far from Spin City where he's, his career kind of started to take off again. A little bit too far after, you know, you know, the Back to the Futures and Doc Hollywood and stuff like that. I think that it doesn't play to a particular audience. I think it's really out there. I think it's weird, but in a great way. But I think stuff like his other movies, like Dead Alive is great, but it's a cult classic. Meet well, the Feebles is great, but it's a cult well, classic. Meet the Feebles, yeah, but this is like it's definitely not like Meet a, the Feebles. This but. is almost like a, a a lighter version or sanitized version of Dead Alive. Dead yes. Alive is when the mother's trying to shove him back into her womb. Mm -hmm. Oh God! If you if if you know what we're talking about, we're talking about Peter Jackson's earlier work, which he did a lot of horror movies, and what the two of the movies that he did was Dead Alive and Bad Taste. Bad Taste was in eighty seven. Dead Alive was ninety two. So about four years in between, he did Meet the Feebles. Those three films are. It, if you like really raunchy and you like really overt horror and overt comedy, overt just everything. Meet the Feebles, though, is different. Meet the Feebles. It's not a horror movie. Meet the Feebles is basically the Muppets that don't do Muppet things. It's it's <laughs> gross. It is. It's disgusting. <laughs> if you like Evil Dead, Dead Alive is Dead like Alive him is going, I can, do, I can do worse. He's, bas <laughs> he's basically killing zombies with a, 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 lawnmower. a lawnmower. Like that's, that's, that's his weapon of choice. But then he did Heavenly Creatures, which kind of brought a more dramatic turn. It was about two, uh, two teenagers who killed their mother, one of the girl's mothers. It's, a, it's based on a, a true story. And it's just about them. And they live in like this fantasy world together. You know, Kate Winslet's first big movie. Melanie Alinsky's first big movie. And he does The Frighteners after that. So the, it's almost like he did all these horror films. Does the drama of Heavenly Creatures, which has a lot of uh, special effects elements to it. And then from that, does also something that's almost like a, a mix between uh, both of them, which is yes. The Frighteners. Yeah. Earlier, Peter Jackson, I find more interesting than Peter Jackson now in terms of what he does at like King Kong. And Lord of the Rings is great, but. And that's not really my cup of tea in terms of fantasy or, or you know, sure. I enjoy them, but I'm not really like I didn't read the books. So I really, really wasn't into it that way. And The Hobbit, again, that was just. The Hobbit was a mess. Yeah. So I actually. But I don't blame him for The Hobbit. Being no, 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 no. Like he, they're accomplished films. There. And I'm not saying I'm not taking I'm not being the jerk saying like, oh, they stink. Not at all. I just like I I. I like a lot of his earlier stuff more than he I do. His, takes his, more risks in the. Uh, I don't know. Whatever, whatever it is. I just, I just prefer that way. But sure, go on doing big, big movies. <laughs> I don't care. But Frighteners is a fun type of film that you don't see anymore. It's, it's, you know, you don't have Frighteners would be a rated R horror film now. It would be geared more toward the horror. I think now. This movie, this, this, the, it would, the way it is back in '96, it would not be made that way now. It would right. be more. It'd be probably more serious. Nine-year-old me would not Darker. have been able to see The Frighteners. I watched it right when it came out, and it was fine. Like, no swearing. There's no sex. There's no nudity. The violence wasn't really that crazy. Mm -hmm. I, You know, my parents were like, this is good. You should watch this, because it was like a good Spielberg-esque, Zemeckis-esque. Yeah. It's just scary. Fun, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think it was too scary. But I'm back saying, then, like, it, okay, it's got there was any hesitation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, you wouldn't have that. There would be stuff in The Frighteners now that would be, like, too much for kids. I agree. Or it would be watered down, and it would be a kid's movie. Yeah. These are the only two ways you could make it now. Agreed. Because of the studio system. The computer algorithms now wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't put out a movie like Frighteners. It, it would not compute. You'd blow up the system. <laughs> <laughs> Will not make enough money. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I think Frighteners has become a cult classic on its own. I really haven't talked to too many people who at least like movies that don't know the Frighteners. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of people that aren't huge on movies or people that were born after 1996 definitely don't know what the Frighteners is. Well, who would you recommend it to then? The people born after 1996 who would might maybe like... <laughs> I don't watch a movie past then. Yeah, or like, oh, I've never seen it. I've never heard of the Frighteners. It's like, well, you should give it a chance. It's It's very good. It's fun. It's funny. It's different. The special effects, although, yes, slightly dated, do still hold up. They still do help to tell the story and drive it forward. And it's nice to see Michael J. Fox in a movie. It's probably it's also a good movie night movie, I would assume. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. fun. It's quick. Mm -hmm. I mean, the movie's, um, what, an hour and 40? 110 minutes. 110 minutes. I mean, if you're paying attention at the beginning of this episode, I said that. I did. I said an hour and 40. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered. Um, there is a director's yeah. cut, which we did not watch, but you told me it was like two minutes From what more. I say, it's only yeah. two minutes more, so, so I don't want to spend three dollars more on the rental. I hear you. <laughs> well, I don't know what we'd be missing for two minutes, so you know, unfortunately, that that uh, episode is not available for the director's cut of Frighteners. I do like a couple of the horror callbacks they do have. Like I like when Patricia goes crazy with the knife and starts screaming. It's very evocative of the early 1970s slasher crazy psycho movies. You're talking about when she says she's in the mood for vivisection? No, before oh. that, when she's attacking Lucy in her bedroom. Oh, right, right, right And she right. opens the door and she's just like, ah! right, right, she's got right. both hands on the knife. Like, it's just completely like, you're not killing anybody like that. You're just going nuts. She's going like, to kick you. But it's just very evocative of like old horror movies. Mm -hmm. And I, I like stuff like that that they added to it. And obviously, the beginning scene coming down from the roof is very Tim Burton-esque with that house. I love when he sees the house as the ghost, like how ghostly that house oh, as it's, a place of evil. And it's like right. wonky and like almost a monster in itself. Which you question the mother's choice to you know what happened to her you know what she did you don't believe that she was a unwilling accomplice you knew that she was part of it so you take you go back to your house which is on the property of the the where this all happened the abandoned Close hospital to, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes no sense also the whole now that we're talking about the mother <laughs> um so the scene where lucy goes to frank's house to just first i don't know why goes to frank's house to snoop around apparently and the answering machine calls and it's the mother. And she's saying that, you know, she basically says something's up, talks to Frank about her, her daughter. That's only there for two reasons. That's only there for one reason to get Lucy to come to the house. I, I have the same thing. Right. I was like, why the answering machine message? Plot device. Right. It's <laughs> like she acts on the phone message. Like she, like her and Frank have been in constant contact about her daughter. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's clearly not what it is. It's only there. So Lucy goes to the house. Right. So I didn't know that's the two minute scene that we're missing from the director's. Game. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. It didn't make sense. And I couldn't justify in the beginning of the movie why Patricia was so afraid. They play it off like she's so afraid of when the, the ghost. Scene? Right. I think that's the first time he comes back. That can't be the first time he comes back. Why not? Because he only killed 12. Yep. Then he comes back, kills his wife. Right. But he's there. She's he, she's there with him. She sees Johnny Bartlett and she's right. the one that car. So she already he's been back for he then after that he goes on a killing spree of 20 more people. I think you don't know how long ago that opening scene is that when he killed when his wife died. No, the, the opening scene in the house where Patricia's getting haunted. You don't know if that's now the six years later, if that's the oh, year that his wife gets killed. I don't know. That's to show that it's they not. Come back. It's not because when. When Lucy goes to the house because the doctor can't make it and she goes, she sees the burns oh, on her right. neck. She's got all the. Okay. So, no, that was present. So it's so I I can justify it if you're telling me she was faking it, but she, they never say it. They play it off like she's afraid. And right. She, and I don't understand. I mean, OK, she's nuts or she's insane. OK, fine. But again, it does. It, I couldn't justify why she was that just afraid. Okay. Yeah. Now that you bring it up like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's there's some timeline stuff that you're just kind of like, eh, all right, it's a movie. Fine. Move on. I like it. I'm also not a fan of the reporter that much. The her, guy or the the woman? The woman. Her, yeah. Her incessant need to to blame Frank for all of it. I mean, and then her reporter dies in the museum. Right. Clearly, Frank wasn't there yet. Right. Clearly, it was some kind of weird heart attack, and you're blaming Frank. Yeah. I just no. didn't get that. And then she clearly gets killed by a ghost. And she does, and, and she's, still, she's still blaming Frank yeah, on the way to uh, heaven. Yeah, I know. Uh, she should go back down. Exactly. I was thinking <laughs> that too. I was like, she's a real vindictive bitch. I mean, she should be going not up. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, I agreed. It, it, that was a little, but again, I guess, I guess the good outweighs the, the not so goodness. So we're okay. Yeah, I think give it a pass. It's a suspension of disbelief. It's just yeah. meant to be fun. So mm -hmm. you can't blame it for that. I mean, you get you get her all kind of like wonky, kind of like 
Evil Dead witchy when she's going up too, which I kind of like. Yeah, but they there's a like bunch of stuff. Strings. There's a bunch of stuff that I could pick apart, like in this movie. Like, why is Lucy with Ray? He's clearly a dick, and she's still yeah. with him. But she even says he's not a good. He wasn't uh, a good. Uh, yeah, and then when Frank runs over the fence and he's like, <laughs> oh, he, like he gives him the card and he's like, just give me, it's bill me, and he rips it up. And then he leaves like, I got your license plate number. He just gave you his card. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, what a douche. I know. So, well, clearly he wasn't good with money because he squandered her uh, $16,000. Yeah. yeah. I lost it. (laughs) And I never understood why nobody made the connection with carving the 13 in Frank's wife's forehead to the original murders from years ago. Like, that's never brought up like, is this a copycat killer? Never brought up. Yeah. And why they decide to do that physically, but... After the after that after they kill Frank's wife, they when they go on this other killing spree, they decide to spiritually put the numbers in their head. I think he marks them ahead of time, right? But then, but so why is she marking it there and the forehead? She physically, marks, she marks it afterward. I, I know because that's did, what they did when they were alive. I got you, but why yeah. did she do that for the rest of them? So like there was like moving forward beyond well, that. again. Now he's cheating, and now yeah, he's I, doing I, it in public. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, which which means his record is not the same. <laughs> it's record. null and void. It's a ghost record now. <laughs> Cut out those first sixteen. They don't go the first twelve. They don't count. So we're really pick. We're really nitpicking now. Well, I think now we have to. I mean, now we're at the, <laughs> now we're at the what we we didn't find so. Bad. I mean, I think a lot of the dialogue's really good too. I don't know, the one the final note I'm gonna have. As I brought it up before, we already talked about it's forgotten, but I had said before, I told you that Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky were in, uh, were characters in Heavenly Creatures. They're on the, their their pictures are on the box set that she's looking at when she's looking at famous murders in, in their town. Like oh, really? their, their, their image is there. Like she's obviously not watching that. She's watching about the murders at the, at the hospital, but their, their faces are there. So they're like part of that video box set that she was watching on that. VHS. And, so is that and part of the same universe thing? Yes, of course. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, did you notice Peter Jackson's in the movie? Uh, I did. He's in the. He's one of the. He's the guy that he runs into. He's on the, the punk guy that yeah, he runs into on the street. I yeah. did notice that. Yeah. I was like, ah, that's a guy. I was gonna watch. <laughs> I told you this. I was gonna watch the behind the scenes stuff, but they were three hours and forty five minutes long, and I was like, no way, that's not happening. Yeah, Phil could have given you a lot more facts, guys, but chose not to. <laughs> I wasn't that dedicated. <laughs> I apologize. I was tired. <laughs> All right. So yeah. I mean, I'm good. I mean, have you got other stuff to say? Do you have other stuff to say? No, I mean, we kind of close it up now. I think everyone's probably seen this movie. Are you saying this is a bad choice for forgotten? No, I mean, I think there's really it's it's a good movie, and the fact that we are nitpicking it is just kind of trying to find something to not like about it. Absolutely. So it's you know, I I don't I don't like to do that. So even though we just did it, (laughs) I think we only did it because we just spent the last. We were just talking about what we liked. Yeah, no, I get you. I think a lot if if you listen to this and you're a film fan, I think clearly you've probably seen this film. But if you're listening to us because you are getting into film or you're younger, maybe in film school or you, you know, college or high school and you're like, oh, I'm really interested in film. This is a good film to come back, go back to and watch. For what reason, though? Like why? It's a style of film you don't see anymore today. It's got a nice mix of genres that don't happen very often. You've got Michael J. Fox as an unconventional leading man. He's not necessarily your tall, muscle-bound guy. He's not your noir kind of dude. He's not your Keanu Reeves type. He's just a normal dude. Normal dude. He's just your average guy who gets caught up in this weird, zany world. Yeah. And it's just a lot of fun. I would say, even though we nitpicked the story, I would say the story elements. I would say there is some good stuff within the story in terms of organic storytelling on what happens. Yes. Um, the premise is really good. The premise is a, is a, is an interesting one. It's pretty. It's a pretty tight yeah. story too. It it doesn't branch off on a whole bunch of right meandering storylines that don't do do anything for the plot. The effects are good, even though we did talk about they're somewhat dated, but the the ghost effects still hold up. And especially like I said, when they go from past to present, the set yeah, in the, the hospital is really well done. Awesome. Set design, really, it, the look of the whole the whole production looks good. And I think that has to do with the fact that it was in New Zealand. It's doubling as an American town somewhere. It does have a unique look and a unique feel that you just don't see over in the States. So that's, I think that's probably uh, something that, you know, if you're over in New Zealand, you could probably hey, go for it. But you know, <laughs> if you're in America, you're not really going to go do that. So I um, think also Jeffrey, if you're an actor, Jeffrey Combs is someone to watch in this movie. You should also check his, you should check him out in reanimator. Yes. I think it's Bride of reanimator is the second one. He makes a lot of choices that are very interesting and, and yeah. really services characters, but he, you can tell he puts a lot of effort and 
work into what, what he chooses to do that service the story as well. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate that he's not in a lot of bigger movies like where he plays a character actor in a lot of bigger films. I think he'd he would have done well for whatever the reason. Maybe he's just not interested in that or people just didn't, you know, just kind of didn't get that chance. But he still has it. He's had a very successful career. So yeah. it's not really. He's great on a negative. Space Nine. Yeah. Oh, the, here we go. Uh, the here we go. Of the, uh, Here's the Star Trek. Well, he just plays a really good villain. Uh, like the choices he makes are very out there and odd. But again, very dedicated to mm-hmm. the role that he is in. I mean, I think he was only supposed to be on that show for the one or two episodes that he started on. And he ended up being on for like two or three seasons as this villain. Oh really? Yeah. So, like he was like the ultimate. So good. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the ultimate villain, but he was like the emissary for the villain. Okay. Basically, the herald, if you would. He had a title. I don't remember it. I have to, <laughs> I have to rewatch the show. It's been a long time since I watched Deep Space Nine. <laughs> so he does a lot. Of, you said he does a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Recently, he was the voice of Brainiac in the uh, Injustice Two video game. Nice. That's good, I guess. All right, so check it out if you haven't already. Thanks for listening. Um, Mike, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? All right, you can find us at uh, ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com where you can link to all of our newer and older episodes, all the past seasons. We're on season four now. So uh, we got three seasons to watch if you haven't caught up. Listen. Three seasons to listen to if you haven't caught up. Uh, if you want to support us, you can also go to our merch store. There's a link to the page there. We have a couple of shirts, leggings, mugs, some fun stuff. Stickers. Buy some stickers. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on social medias at Forgotten Cinema Pod. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. And we're on Facebook. We post a new episode every Wednesday. And a couple of days after that, we usually post a nice, fun little commercial as well that you guys should check out. Uh, we put a lot of work and effort into those. So I mean, you guys should look at them. They're, they're pretty good. Aww. We, we, we try to have some fun. And uh, hopefully we have a good one for the Frighteners. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. I haven't even thought of one yet. So, But join us next week. We're going to be doing the 2007 fantasy romantic comedy Enchanted, starring Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, Timothy Spall, as uh, not as Wormtail from Harry <laughs> Potter. And Susan Sarandon. And Susan Sarandon, you're right. Uh, and a bunch and uh, Adina Menzel. Yes. When I was watching this that movie, uh, I was telling my daughters, like, oh, that's Elsa. Who would? Blowing their mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyways, well, that's the Enchanted. We'll be doing that next week. Thank you for listening, guys um, and gals. Oh, that's terrible. So, yeah, that's next week. We'll be doing Enchanted. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, my name is Mike Field. I'm uh, Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Uh, I didn't. I didn't say my favorite line in the movie. Well, you had your. You chance. don't drink, you don't eat, you don't go to the bathroom, you don't do any of that shit anymore. <laughs> I, I thought that was clever. There you go. I like that. Now you can put it on that. You can, ta- you can put that on the back end. Oh, so that's a good tag. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs>